Hey everyone, welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off of the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay, and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, looking looking into buying some uh, animal masks to wear to my next next house invasion. Uh, so this was a good this was a good movie to see what's out there as far as uh, inventory goes for that choices. Yeah, make sure uh, it matches your crossbow. Yes, yes. We are talking about today number one hundred and sixty eight on our list, which is 2013's Your ne- Your Next. Your Next. Saying it out loud is difficult. <laughs> um, it has a 79% Rotten Tomato score. And uh, had you seen this one before, before going into it? No, no. I was kind of only vaguely aware of it based mostly on the uh, like movie poster. And yeah. Yeah, beyond that, really had no expectations. This one was like very uh, clean slate for me. Yeah, same here. This was one that had been on my radar for a long time, and uh, I, I had always, it had always been one of those ones where it's like, okay, I kind of want to watch something. Let's see if your next is on streaming where I don't have to pay for it, so I can finally mm-hmm. watch it. But it never was, so I never did. <laughs> but um, I know it, it. It's sort of, it's sort of a cult. I think it's become a cult uh, favorite in the past few years. Um, hmm. It definitely kind of has that vibe to it. I think it. I think it debuted at one of the late night uh, editions of Sundance or the Toronto Film Festival or something, and that's where all its buzz came from and whatnot. But yeah, um, we are going to play the trailer for you real quick, and then we'll be back to talk about your next. I just want you all to know how much it means to us that you're all here. Thanks to mom and dad. Beautiful. Just a perfect day. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy food and help us to do our part with kind words and loving deeds. Amen. Amen. What is that? Do 
You're next from 2013, technically 2011. I believe it was at the uh, one of the film festival was at. It was in 2011, but it got bought by Lionsgate and didn't get released till 2013. Huh. So it's got two different dates to pay if you look it up, depending on you know I don't know why, but um, number 168 on our list, 79 percent Rotten Tomato score, directed by Adam Wingard. Written by Simon Barrett, who is also the guy in the tiger mask, which is fun. Oh, that is fun. I like that. And it stars Sharni Vinson, Nicholas Tucci, Wendy Glenn, A.J. Bowen, uh, patron saint of 80s horror movies, Barbara Crampton, and noted (laughs) expert on houses with devilish goings on within them, Ty West. (laughs) Amanda, what happens in Your Next? The Davisons, an upper-class family, are extremely wealthy, but also estranged. In an attempt to mend their broken family ties, Aubrey and Paul Davison decide to celebrate their wedding anniversary by inviting their four children and their children's significant others to their weekend estate. The celebration gets off to a rocky start, but when crossbow-wielding assailants in animal masks suddenly attack, the Davisons must pull together or die. I am so fascinated by these write-ups on these different movies because <laughs> this is another one where I feel like it could have been one sentence where like a family get-together is disrupted by house home invaders and animal masks. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. These these vary wildly between we, – we've had one or two where it's just like a husband and wife go on vacation or like something yeah. extremely brief. And then we've had a few that just seem uh, – like they're going to spell out the plot of the entire movie for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Clay, mm. in this movie, some things you may find include mm-hmm. off-brand Aubrey Plaza. More like Aubrey Strip Mall. <laughs> that's that's very wrong. Uh, <laughs> our, our friend Pat said Aubrey Piazza, which is pretty I funny. liked Aubrey Piazza. <laughs> Um, the longest shard of glass ever to be lodged in a leg. Seriously, she should have oh. died from that. Like, oh. it, it was it was a great effect and it looked great, but like practically, she should have died very quickly. I think. Absolutely, and also her legs are very thin. That right. would have been like yeah. sticking straight out the back. Any, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, survivalist home alone. Hmm. Um, the most creative use of a blender in a horror movie since Dead Alive. Which is saying something. Cause, which you is know, really saying something. You know how uh, many movies have had blenders in them if in the past 30 years used as weapons, and it's <laughs> more than I can count, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kitchen appliances everywhere. And, uh, of course, questionable parenting. Mm, yeah, well, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily fair. I, I guess you have to assume... There yeah. is some, but they seem like really nice people who were just trying to raise a nice family. Oh, well, they did a real p- piss poor job of it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> all their kids suck for various, varying and various reasons. All of their mm, kids suck. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, I don't know if you knew this, mm. but uh, we are three movies deep on a subgenre of the horror genre, which I did not even know was a thing. I was going to bring I was this up too. Stuff up. You were. <laughs> I Do think you know it's what the hilarious? 
Do you know what the name of this subgenre is? I can't say. Mumble gore. <laughs> it's so stupid. Who was my favorite Thundercat? Oh, oh God. Yeah. It's so um, stupid. It's such a... Uh, I hate it. It's so stupid. It's it's stupid, but I kind of I kind of really respect it as as the uh, uh, well. What it is is it's there was a a uh, film movement in the two thousands referred to as mumblecore, which yes. is uh, basically movies about millennials who don't really have their shit together. If I really had to to break it down to a simple way to describe it, a lot of twenty uh, something, thirty somethings who are you know bad at relationships. Yeah, the example I think most people would know is Garden State. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it it, it has it's very uh, naturalistic dialogue, a lot of improvisation, a lot doesn't feel very scripted and whatnot. And uh, naturally, there was a horror offshoot to this um, jo- uh, genre, and which was dubbed Mumblecore, and. <laughs> We have done three movies, which I did not... This is our third movie we've done in the, quote, mumblecore genre. The other two being, of course, House of the Devil and The Innkeepers. Yes, by a noted documentary filmmaker, Ty West. Yes, in this movie, noted documentary (laughs) filmmaker, Ty West. And also, um, which I I guess a a tenant of the mumblecore movies, and I guess mumblecore too, I guess. Stop saying uh, a lot, a lot of them, a lot. Everybody kind of knows each other who makes the movies, and they appear in a lot of each other's films. So you've got Ty West playing uh, Tariq, I believe his name was in this one, mm-hmm. and um, you've also got the guy who plays Drake, the oldest brother, is a guy named Joe Swanberg, who directed a movie called Drinking Buddies with uh, Anna Kendrick and Jake Johnson, I think, and Olivia Wilde from a few years ago. Oh. And he also did a segment of VHS. Oh. Yeah. And also another film friend, the guy from the opening sequence who's uh, having sex with the woman who then they both get killed is a guy named Larry Fessenden, who is also hmm. a low budget um, or I should say independent horror producer. He's done. Uh, he did a movie called Stakeland. And he's oh, done a yeah. couple other ones that I can't remember, but yeah, he's kind of a, a well-known name in the indie horror um, indie horror world. Oh shit! I didn't realize that. I yeah. really like Stakeland. Stakeland's fun. Yeah, Stakeland is cool. I only saw that for the first time fairly recently. I was uh, I was that was a oh fun really? One. I, every time I see every time I saw the cover, it was like I looked at it really quick and I thought Johnny Depp was on the cover, <laughs> and I was like, that can't that can't be true. <laughs> that's a that's a bad movie. But um. One of the tenets of this uh, film movement, I guess, is it ha- it's like I said, it's very naturalistic, which lends itself to a lot of handheld camera work, which is most of this movie was done handheld camera. And uh, I find that that stuff kind of tends to age the worst. And this mm-hmm. movie was a good example of that where it was it was handheld to a very distracting scale. Yeah, I I definitely when I watched it was saying to to my husband like i wouldn't mind it so the handheld camera work so much when you get those moments where it's almost like 
it, it either is or could be from the point of view of the killers while they're mm-hmm. kind of creeping around in the dark house. Like, I think that would work. You know, you're trying to make it feel like you're in that first person perspective. But when it's like the mom standing out on the front lawn, do we really need that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just felt like yeah. very distracting at times. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't mean to jump in with a uh, negative technical element. I'm not sure, I'm sure that's not why people are here, but um overall, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a really solid, pretty straightforward home inv- home invasion story that has a really effective twist in it. It's and I when I say twist, it's not like you know, I I'm uh the call is coming from inside the house or uh, I see dead people. It's just like a a natural <laughs> a natural story turn that I think works really well to um, move the story in the direction it needs to go, which, of course, is that you find out uh, the middle brother, I think, mm-hmm. or is he the youngest brother? I think he's the middle brother. Well, I guess the two of them, but at this point, yeah. you find out the middle brother and his wife are in cahoots with the with the killers, which what I really appreciate about that, it's not, like I said, not revelatory or anything like that, but what it does is this movie has kind of a lot of people in it. Um, And it gets you to position yourself towards rooting for the quote-unquote final girl without having to go through the formula and motions of killing everybody off. And it also raises the stakes because now instead of there being two people after her, there's now four people after her or five people Uh rather. Yeah. Um, and then eventually the other brother is also revealed to be in on it. So there's a sixth and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's a nice little turn. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the youngest brother and his girlfriend, right? Yes. Yeah. Like it's I think they're they're sort of the masterminds of the whole thing. Yeah. And then there's that moment at the end where you realize the final girl, Erin, that her boyfriend, who is the middle brother, Oh, that's also, what, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It gets confusing. There's a lot of people in this movie and it's just, it, it does it, it does it well in that it establishes family relationships and the sort of like the stereotypes of each kid mm-hmm. are really clear, really fast, but you don't, you don't very clearly get an exact counting of where everybody is in terms of age. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually think the, the family stuff I thought worked really well. Um, I, I feel like a movie like this can be pretty dry if you start off with like family drama stuff. But mm-hmm. this this worked well enough where I actually kind of wish they had cut the opening scene. The, op- the opening scene is a completely unrelated couple who get murdered by the animal mask guys. Um, it's the neighbors, you, right? Yes. Yeah. You only find yeah. out later that it's the neighbor and, and that kind of stuff. And I, I, I get why you might want to do that to kind of like show your hand a little bit, get people interested right off the bat with some sex and violence. But as far <laughs> as the story goes, I thought the stuff with the family was strong enough that I wish they had cut that opening scene and just started with the family stuff. So the home invasion aspect would, would be more, uh, shocking when it came. Yeah, so I I agree. I think having the the neighbor the neighbors get killed it it, it works, 
but I think you could position it differently and you could put it somewhere a little bit later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's interesting cause I feel like I have maybe slightly different feelings than you do about the family dynamics, mm-hmm. uh, in, in it and whether I think it worked, but I think it maybe worked for me for slightly different reasons than it did for you. Before you go into that, I, I did want to let you know that apparently mm-hmm. the opening scene as scripted featured an old man who finds his dog decapitated before <gasps> he himself is killed. But the producers requested this to be rewritten as the scene that appears in the final film. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went from th- we went from dog decapitation to uh gratuitous nudity nudity and blood i'm fine with this swap because i i do not enjoy it when the dog dies hey i'm more than willing to to choose boobs over a severed dog head anytime so yeah (laughs) same (laughs) glad we're in accord (laughs) um so for me when 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 this movie started and you first get introduced to the family I was kind of like, at first I was very like, I don't think I'm going to like this. Mm -hmm. I feel like the acting is kind of ham-handed and like cheesy and like everybody's just feeling like such a stereotype. Mm -hmm. And then the more family members that arrived, everybody just leaned even harder into those stereotypes <laughs> and yeah. started pushing it into absurdity. Yeah. And that's when I was like, all right, okay, <laughs> I can mm-hmm. get behind this. Like they go, they're very clearly using these, these stereotypical characters, these archetypes to sort of get you really quickly into the action and kind of just like establish the, the, the wider family group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let you just sort of mentally catalog them like, oh, okay, that's the asshole oldest brother and his bitchy wife. And there's the spoiled little like daughter who's the only girl and her like artsy and the fastest runner and the fastest runner out of all of them. Um, <laughs> but I think what that serves to do is it kind it kind of lets you like mentally kind of just like have a have a spot for everybody in your head that's already established so you don't have to waste a lot of your attention like trying to remember which brother is is which like even their um their costuming goes a long way to do that their costuming Mm. is very like lean really really hard into whatever stereotype this character is because it gives you this like visual shorthand to go along with that's a sort of archetypal shorthand and then that lets you free up some more attention for Aaron who's really the main character in the movie yeah yeah and I think they do a good job of that too which um because they kind of keep the focus off of her specifically for a decent amount of time really until stuff starts to really get going um they kind of make it look like sorry go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, even in the first sort of chaotic moment where uh, <laughs> where poor Ty West gets uh, shot in the face with a crossbow bolt, you you don't get Im- she doesn't she doesn't in a very obvious way step up and start taking command, but she does kind of in these subtle ways that are almost masked by everybody panicking and screaming. Mm. 
but if you pay attention, she's the one who, like, she army crawls under the table. She gets everybody to kind of get down. She's the one who kind of gets them to hold up the chairs when they run by the window. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's done in such a way that, like, her taking more and more control of the situation makes sense throughout the movie because it starts very subtly and it builds up over time. Yeah, they they kind of position the 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 middle brother there, Aaron's boyfriend, as the de facto mm-hmm. main character. Um, Crispin. Crispin. Crispian with an, with I A N. Crispin. The names. Uh, the names of the kids are. I mean, I think I think the sister's name is like Amy, right? Uh, the sister's name is Amy. Yes. Uh, that's that's a that's a normal name. Yeah, fair. It's probably well. There's a Kelly, so it's not all weird names, but there's a decent. Oh no, I just I names. I meant just the kids, like the the oh the kids, the, yes, yeah. yeah, the four siblings. There's like Drake yeah. and Crispin and Felix. <laughs> well, that's that's part of that's part of what I like about the family stuff. Kind of going off what you're saying was, um, th- this movie's like really funny. In a mm-hmm. very, very dry way, but it's not I, – I don't know if it's possible to be subtle and unsubtle at the same time, but that's kind of <laughs> what they do here. Yeah. and Because most horror comedies um, – and I do want to talk about another one that this reminds me of later on. Mm. Um, a lot of horror comedies tend to go more slapstick when it comes to this stuff. Um, yeah. like, uh, that movie that came out that was banned because, you know, people don't understand what fiction is. Uh, the hunt was very, is very broad. It's a, it's a similar movie about, you know, I haven't seen that one. That's the one that's that where they got, it got banned because people thought it was like liberals hunting conservatives or something. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And it's, it's very tongue in cheek. It's very silly, but it's, you know, very, very gory. Um, and that's that's the way it tends to go. Is it tends to go very slapstick or lean towards that. And in this one, it's the 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 funny stuff is a lot more baked into the the scenarios that are happening. So for instance, I, I mentioned a minute ago, I was laughing very hard when they were arguing over who was the fastest runner while they yeah. were trying to decide. <laughs> who was going to try to run to the car while they're being attacked by crossbow people. And one of them's got a crossbow arrow sticking out of his back. And he's trying to, he's still trying to, uh, uh, act like the tough guy, uh-huh. uh, winning it, winning a, an athletic battle with a sibling. And it was just, it was really, really funny. Yeah. There's and I think, a, good. Oh, just, there's a, there's a, not to jump too far ahead or off this topic, but there's, there's a scene where I, I won't, well, when Felix, the youngest brother, is in the basement, mm-hmm. and he he says, "Why won't you just die already? Don't you see how hard this already is for me?" <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's so perfect that he's this bratty, spoiled little brother. It, it's and it's really funny because he says it and he means it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's comedy born out of the situation and the characters. It's not like comedy born out of self-awareness of the genre you know right right um which i which i appreciate and i think i think it to what you were saying before yeah they do kind of establish these archetypes but they and then they do really lean into them but not in a tongue-in-cheek way that makes you go 
it's like a it's not a, a knowing winking at the camera kind of way. It's just they're just leaning into them and dialing them up, um, right? To to match everything else that's going on, which I I, I did appreciate. Yeah, I like it. There's like it's it's funny without any camp. Yes, yeah. 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 And I guess, you know, to talk at the movie that I was I was going to compare it to is I do I feel like this movie is a direct ancestor to Ready or Not, which came out yeah. I believe last year or 2019. We saw I, oh, I saw I, it in the theater, so it must have been 2019. I I was going to say that it had to at least be at this point like 2 years ago. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's got a similar kind of setup where Ready or Not, which I believe is also on our list, much higher if I remember correctly. Um, hmm. Ready or Not is also a uh, family gathering of sorts in a large old house that devolves into um, a survival game. And it is very much a comedy but ready or not, while great, is a lot more slapsticky than this is. Yeah, like you said, it's it's very much a comedy, and that's obvious pretty quickly. Whereas with this, I mean, I was so like I, like I had said earlier, I really had very little knowledge that, about this movie. I, I sort of knew it existed. Um, I knew it was about you know killers in in animal masks, home invasion, killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know that there was any humor to it. I didn't know that any of it was was kind of tongue in cheek at times. Mm. And I didn't really get that read from even like the the marketing images and and sort of the the stuff I read about it before we watched it and after. I was like, I do feel like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity here. As far as uh, advertising it as more of a comedy? Yeah, maybe not advertising it as more of a comedy, but like, uh, I don't know, just kind of putting some of that out there, putting some of the humor out there at least a little bit to kind of add some some levity and, and, and personality to it. Because otherwise it just sounds like so many other kind of bog standard slasher home invasion films and that's part of the Mm. reason why i wasn't super interested in it for so long whereas i think if i had known that it had this sort of other dimension to it i would have been a little more intrigued yeah yeah i agree i because i i do remember the things i had seen about it didn't really speak to how it might be um subversive really in any way Mm. but uh once you get into it yeah it's because, yeah, I I remember seeing the poster, and I think the only thing that tipped me off was I, I kind of was looking into it a little bit when I saw people really responding to it. And I was trying to figure out, like, what's, what's, the, what's the gimmick here? Why is this being received so well? It just seems pretty standard. And then when I, yeah. was like, when I saw something that said it was, a, it was a dark comedy, I was like, okay, I, I can – I assume that's where, that's where the uh, – uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Where the uh, acclaim or, or love for it comes from, because it is some mm-hmm. somehow subversive somehow. Um, so I was I was expecting something like that going in, but I wasn't entirely sure how it was going to manifest. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even expect that. I was, yeah, I, w- I went into it my first, you know, for, for watching the first twenty to thirty minutes. I thought it was supposed to be one hundred percent sincere. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I was pleasantly surprised when I realized, like, oh, you're supposed to kind of hate these people. <laughs> like, like they're yeah, they're not yeah. yeah they're they're not being played for laughs or anything. But there's um like even <laughs> I know we keep coming back to the the fight over who's the fastest, and they're all yelling at each other. And uh, Crispin says yells something at his brother, and the brother's wife yells at him. He has a he has a crossbow in his back, and, <laughs> and Crispin just yells. Like, stop yelling at me, Kelly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, it, it does, uh, they really go out of their way to make sure that, that, um, Aaron, right? It's Aaron, I believe. Yes. Is the main. Yeah. Aaron is the only really redeemable character. Oh, again, the parents don't seem to be bad on the surface. They seem like perfectly nice people. Yeah. Um, it's, the mom is played in an interesting way. Like yes, uh, yeah. I thought more was going to come. There's like mention of of her being on medication early on, and she definitely seems like jumpy or fragile emotionally in a mm-hmm. way that the other characters mm-hmm. don't. And I, I don't know. I think I was kind of expecting to find out like, oh, you know, she had this paranoid breakdown, or she was attacked, or. I don't know. I expected kind of something to come of it, and then she gets murdered, and we just never. It's like, oh, okay, right? Yeah, it's because she seems to be part of the catalyst for why they're going there in the first place, if I remember right. Yeah, isn't it like she wants everybody to get back together and like family bond? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some underlying tensions or problems going on that they don't really get into because not only is there that element, but there's uh, the fact that the two youngest kids or at least two youngest boys anyway are uh there to steal the uh, inheritance from their dead parents. I was gonna say murder everyone. Yeah, murder everyone, yeah. Well yeah, yeah. that's that's funny too, because like I guess Amy I guess Amy wasn't involved. Amy and Drake weren't involved and they were just more than willing to kill their siblings, I guess. Yeah, it's that's interesting because I, I can kind of see why um, why they'd want to kill Drake because he seems like an asshole. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. but I don't really get like, I don't know. Amy seems like okay, she seems like she could probably be a little bit annoying to have as a sister, but she seemed fine. Yeah. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I think that was honestly. I don't really need it. I don't think, but that does seem like it's missing as to the real motivation, as aside from money, as to why they're doing what they're doing. But I don't know. Maybe they don't need more than that. Yeah, I don't know. It's. I feel like as much as we're kind of questioning some of the like interpersonal relationship details, I think the movie that they wanted to make would have suffered had they gone into that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what Aaron as a character? Um, how do you feel about her? I mean, I th- I thought she was awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was it was kind of nice to have a final girl who, I mean had like a plausible backstory for knowing how to survive all of this stuff and kind Mm -hmm. of 
coming up with these solutions on the fly and like being tough enough and, and being willing to, to hurt someone and even kill someone, mm. which is, yeah, she was it's interesting. Yeah. More than, more than willing to kill people when she had yeah. to. Yeah. She was a uh, like completely fine with overkill. Um, which is interesting to me because I think it solves the common uh, problem of final girls. F- most final girls in slasher movies are perpetrating violence against another person for the first time. Mm-hmm. So they're really yeah. hesitant to like fully commit and just do it. So that's why you get all the scenes of like, you know, well, I knocked him on the head with the candlestick over there over there and then you look over there and the killer's gone and he's still alive and he's you know loose in the house again and nobody knows where he went like Mm. this movie really elegantly uh prevents that kind of thing from happening too much or in a way that would frustrate you as a viewer where you're just like don't just whack him once with the board hit him again make sure he stays down she like right right fully commits to all of that (laughs) nobody needs to encourage her (laughs) yeah i was a little bit on the fence about the survivalist background thing because Mm -hmm. i almost kind of feel like that seems to be the overcorrection in some of these genre genre movies the past handful of years where it's like it can't just be a person it has to be a person who has some survivalist crazy uh, background in order to do the things that they do. However, in this, I, I don't, I don't mind it as much because I think much like the way the twist works when they reveal that the youngest brother and his girlfriend are, are in on it, it presents itself as a, as something that the, the, the bad guys hadn't considered because they didn't know. Like it's, yeah. Um, instead of instead of it just being oh, it's the survival person versus the bad guy. It's like oh no, she actively is breaking their plan because she never told her boyfriend or she hadn't turned, told her boyfriend about her background. So the boyfriend doesn't know that he's bringing a survival master into this situation where he was probably expecting her to uh, uh, just kind of fold. Yeah, and I. I also think in the context of this movie, it works because she does so many things right, but she still Mm -hmm. does some stuff wrong. Sure, sure. Like, she still knocks the broom handle and makes noise, or... Yes. You know, she goes and she sets up her elaborate front door trap, and then she hides, and she, she like, turns her head, and there's a guy coming in the window that can very clearly see her, and it's just like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, which is nice too, because it's having. I I don't, I don't love when they when they overcorrect and have the main character end up being like invincible, right? Uh, always, always make the right decisions. Have the traps always work the the way that they were intended to, etc. Because that just gets boring. Right. Yeah. It's like you want to hit that balance, like a like 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 Die Hard. <laughs> you mm-hmm. want her to be yeah, like Bruce exactly. Willis yes. and Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah, capable but not a god. Exactly. Speaking of uh, the traps, um, <laughs> did you have a favorite one? Were you were you wishing? I mean, we were kind of we were talking as we were watching it about how uh, after the, when Crispin 
and Aaron mm-hmm. finally have their kind of face off at the end there. Mm-hmm. We were like, oh, he's got to get it in some really creative way that that's uh, deserving of the, the shit that he's pulled. But she she just kind of stabs him a couple times in that and that was it. I I was shocked that he didn't get the sledgehammer axe to the face from the door. You know, I've I've been thinking about it. Because I kind of had the first that my first instinct was was along those lines too that I kind mm-hmm. of had wished it had been, you know, one of her one of her elaborate traps or something more stand out. But I kind of feel like I wonder if that wouldn't have maybe pushed this movie a little too close to like a more extreme like humor and and sort of like go maybe push it a little too far over the top. Like, because mm-hmm. we were saying part of the strength of this movie is that it can be ridiculous and funny, but it has a certain level of, like, they're not going into, like, pastiche or, right, yeah, like, real slapsticky. And I wonder if that would maybe have pushed it and made it too slapstick. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's definitely something to be said about the, the simplicity and also, like, the emotional impact of her with her own hands killing this person that she up until, you know, 10 minutes ago thought loved her and was, it was Mm. maybe out there dead. And to find out that he was willing to do all of this and even have her killed as collateral damage, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, how do you, do you think, uh, do you think there's enough here from a character standpoint? Cause I feel like the, I, I kind of jumped away from the, the kills thing, but we can turn back to that in a second. Do you yeah. think there's enough? Do they think? Do you think they give you enough as far as as far as character and backstory go? Because I, the one thing that I didn't really love is that all of the, all of the stuff you needed to know was very much told in a way where it's like we're telling you the stuff you need to know, because there was uh, a scene where when she's setting up the nail traps. Uh, Z is like, how do you know how to do this? And she's like, well, my background is I was born, I lived in a survivalist <laughs> thing with my father until I was 15, and then my mother and I left, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then later on, when she's hiding um, behind the curtains, and Felix starts talking to the uh, one of the mask guys, he's like, I didn't set this whole thing up and plan to kill my parents to get their money just to have you screw it up. And it's like, okay, I mean, I guess what do you, what do you really want? I guess in this situation, I, I think it probably works fine as it is, but they maybe could have done it a little bit more subtly. I don't know. I think the all right. So, so for the, the one you said where it's like Aaron's behind the curtains and Felix is kind of laying out the plan. I actually think that one kind of worked because by that point, you as the audience know that they're in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so none of what you're hearing, like, you're not surprised to hear him talk to the two remaining assassins. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And say, like, because, you know, they, they do have this confrontation in that scene where one of the one of the guys is like, look, my brother is like dead over there. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't just kill you with all of these other people. Mm hmm. Um, and that's where it's like, well, you know, I'm doing this for the money. If I, if you, if you help me finish this, I get the money and then I can give you more money. So it's like, 
uh, yeah, that one kind of works. I I do wish they had done the reveal that she was in the survivalist camp differently or that it was like, I don't know. I, it, she kind of gives this whole like, she, like this whole spiel where she's like, well, you know, I guess when I was born, my dad got a little nervous and uh, decided that he wanted to make sure I knew how to take care of myself. So we, we moved mm. to the outback, but that wasn't really extreme enough. So then we moved even further to the outback. And it's like, couldn't you just say, like, my dad raised me as a survivalist, so I know how to take care of these things? Right, yeah, like, yeah. Just kind of shorten it up a little bit. I don't know. It's like in like in the second Rambo movie, when they when they bring him into the room with all the guns. Uh, I, I can't remember what the what the line they ask him is, but he says something. Uh, they say something to the effect of, "Do you have much combat experience?" And he just says, "I fired a couple guns." It's like, yeah, that's all you need, because <laughs> you know that means he's fired a lot of guns, right? <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah. I think they could have done that a little slicker. Um, yeah, because you don't do. you can get that stuff across without getting into like her own familial. Uh, backstory and stuff, right? Where especially because we're already seeing the physical evidence of her abilities, so I mm-hmm. don't think we need a lot of kind of like, oh, let me give you this. It's it, it's it's sort of like when they they people say like, if you're gonna lie, you should do like the simplest, most basic thing that's closest to the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of works in in writing as well, where it's like you don't with with facts facts about the background you don't need to make it quite so elaborate you can just Mm. go for like the the cleanest simplest explanation of these things you just need to convey right right yeah 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 Yeah, i mean it's interesting because i i one of the one of the elements that i thought was fascinating was uh drake leaning into crispin or or uh you know giving him a hard time for dating one of his students Uh uh-huh and uh, so I was like, well, I mean, you know, it's a family thing. Maybe she's got like daddy issues or something. So she's dating an older guy. I don't know. But it, it didn't it didn't really play out that way as far as why it would be important to learn about her family history other than um, other than she, she was uh, uh, raised as a survivalist. I did. I did like that element to Crispin's character, however, however, as an early indicator of him being kind of a shitty person. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Cuz you know, I don't know. Maybe I sound like an old man at this point, but I I very rarely can think of an instance where a teacher should ever date a student under any circumstances. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, those lines it's... seem to blur quite a bit in the college and and grad school levels, but I don't know. Yeah, but I, I I do think it's an effect. It, it is an effective shorthand to sort of highlight, you know, the like Crispin's questionable morality mm-hmm. and his willing his willingness to be morally flexible in order to get something he wants. Right. He wants a hot young girlfriend, so he's willing to date a former student. Yeah. Even though yeah. there are ethical questions about that. I also think it's interesting that I hadn't really noticed this. I kind of rewatched part of this um, part of the movie today before we mm-hmm. before we recorded because I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't paying a ton of attention to the first like fifteen minutes of the movie. Dude, um, same. I don't know what happened. 
I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, know. but I was talking I was talking to my girlfriend last night, and she's like, remember that thing that happened? I was like, I don't remember that at all. She's like, it happened like in the first 15 minutes of the movie. I was like, nope. She, we, she uh, was talking about yeah. the mom being outside, and I was like, yeah. I remember the mom being outside. I don't remember why she was outside or what she was doing or what the big deal was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I, I'm i glad I wasn't the only one. I, I wonder if, not to get off my topic, but I just quickly, I wonder if that's not because that opening scene with the neighbor couple is so jarring mm. when you then transfer from that to the parents like driving in the car and just being like, well, I hope the house is ready. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But actually, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, because when I, when I was rewatching the first, like, opening, you know, 15 minutes, uh, the, the parents, when they're in the car, uh, they say something about the neighbor, and they're like, oh, yeah, he left his wife uh, to date some college student. Right. And they're I both kind of like, that, ugh, yes. ugh. And it's like, well, interesting that that's what the neighbor has done, and that's also what Crispin is kind of doing. Right, yeah. Yeah. Not that he left a wife. I just, you know. Yeah. And that the uh, the other thing, I think maybe I wasn't paying super close attention after that opening scene because um, it does it does take a little bit for things to kind of click in as to what's going on. Um, and even so, they do this thing which I I think if, if I want to be really uh, – what's the word uh stingy with my my um horror filmmaking techniques (laughs) they do this thing which i really don't like which is when they're first looking through the house they're sort of doing this the father is kind of slowly walking through the room and slowly going for the doorway and then they're building up the the like the tension music trying to like put some 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 uh, uh ghostly stank on the house <laughs> and it's like yeah. you know at this point there's no reason why the father would be like slowly creeping through a room as though he was expecting something to jump you know what i mean it's just it feels very artificial for the sake of trying to drum up tension that isn't really there yeah i i agree i would actually say that <laughs> In my opinion, one of the least realistic things about this movie is that these rich people didn't have somebody who already, at least one person, who'd already gone to the house and done the initial preparations before the family arrives. Yeah, yeah, like this super rich family shows up and they're like, we're here to fix the house. It's like, no, that's not how this works. Yeah, there's like drop cloths places, please. Yeah, Like, they are not picking up and folding drop like she, when she when she sweeps with a broom it's like you've never held a broom in your life what are you doing <laughs> yeah the other thing that they did do um if you want to if you want to hit it for horror cliches that they are doing but not like they're explicitly or i should say excessively doing and they're not really subverting it they just seem to be doing it and not realizing mm-hmm. it is there's a lot of uh let's put it this way they just discovered that there is a killer inside the house who has murdered their mother. Yes. But they don't have a problem with Drake's wife wandering off by herself and like other people yeah. just kind of wandering off by themselves to ultimately get killed. I mean, what are you what are you expecting? It's not they're not maybe that's it. Maybe they're just not subverting that idea or something. I don't know, but it's it was it seemed like a lot of people 
in a house where they know there's someone in there trying to kill people just wandering by themselves. Yeah, there's there's a couple instances where I actually think it's kind of fine. Um, like, I, I, I actually think it's fine with Kelly because doesn't she just freak out and make a run for it? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's I when she runs out of the yeah. house. Yes, yeah. Yeah, she just bolts. She just, she just, she loses it. Which I, which I think, like, yeah, that would probably be actually like in a group this size, someone would probably have that reaction where it was just yes, be like yeah. they just lost it and they ran out into the woods. Um, it's kind of like after that point where it's like there's still a good amount of people, but there's like slightly fewer of them, but they keep being like, like. You know, Drake is like, I'm going to go to the basement and get mm-hmm. some tools. And the dad's like, I'm going to go look upstairs. Yeah, upstairs and- where your wife was just murdered and your son's son's wife came screaming out of because they yeah. everyone knows there's a killer in the house. I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. mess with the fuse box by myself. Right, right. And like, it's pretty obvious at that point when they've been shot at from outside but then the mother gets murdered inside that there are at least two people attacking them. Mm, yeah. So it's like, even, that would make me be like, well, if there are two, how many might there actually be? Could there be three? Could there be four? Could there be more right. than that? There's no mm. way I'm going anywhere alone. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. again, this is this is poking holes in what was mostly right. a fun and effective slasher movie yeah to get back to the to the the kills and whatnot did any did any of them stand out to you aside from the uh um uh the blender which is obviously a high point <laughs> we, we do have to talk about the blender we do the lead up to the blender is fantastic because they do the thing the straw dogs thing where she's heating up <laughs> oil on the stove yeah but it, it has cooled off at that point so yeah. she throws cold oil on the guy. He's like, well, it's yeah. not even hot. And then he slips on it. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no. I, I honestly, I think, I have to say I have a, I have an affection for most of the kills uh, involving Felix in one way mm-hmm. or another. Mm-hmm. Because I think he's such a, I found his character really funny. Um. So like I mentioned, when he's in the basement and he he goes down after Drake and he just keeps picking up screwdrivers and stabbing him and being like, why won't you just die? Why are you making this so hard for me? Mm-hmm. Like, I found that really funny. Um, but in terms of a good, like like a kind of a, a, a remarkable kill, I think, isn't it Kelly who gets... Uh, sledgehammer axed to the face yeah 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 that one was that one's pretty intense actually like some of the kills in this movie are like borderline funny Mm. hers was like actually kind of like ooh, ooh. i don't know you spend a long time watching her crawl through glass to try to escape and like he very much waits until she looks at what he's about to do to her so she can freak out. It's like, oh, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. It, it, for some reason, um, the fir- the thing that I thought when she was, was, was getting killed was like, if I was, an, if I was an FBI profiler, I would assume that he knew this woman from the way that he like overkills her. Like he like yeah, punches her through a window. And then, oh, yeah, God, watches her crawl around and then 
puts his foot on her head like a croquet ball and hits her with an axe in the side of the head. And it's like, that's for guys who are just doing this to get a paycheck. That's pretty aggressive. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely get the vibe that there were like (laughs) differing motivations for the three guys involved. Mm. Um, Like I have a feeling, because that was the guy who did that is the, is the guy that, Aaron kills with the uh, meat tenderizer, right? I think so, yeah. I think I think it's him. And his brother is the one who seems much more like, this is just a job for me. I'm going to mm-hmm. kill these people so that we can collect our money and get out of here. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the third guy, I don't really know what his deal is, except looking like vaguely strung out and kind of over it the whole time and he just disappears the heat you don't see him again he never he never gets killed he just at a certain point he just disappears wait really i think so yeah unless i completely missed it i don't think he ever gets killed i think uh i can't remember at what point but as far as i know yeah i think he just sort of drifts off and and just leaves I don't I thought he I thought he got killed. I'm reasonably sure he doesn't, but I I could be wrong. I'm trying to look it up quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz I'm very I'm just like how did I not notice that, you know? Yeah, it was I found it I think the reason it stood out to me was cuz they kind of go out of their way to tie up all the loose ends in this movie except that one. And I don't know if that was a decision for like maybe we'll do a sequel so one of these guys should be left or something but it's definitely for for a movie that goes out of its way to kind of give you all the pieces and show you the the ending of the story he seems to just disappear so he's not the guy in the basement the guy in the basement when she uses the camera flash no i think isn't that the 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 brother who's who steps on the the nail because there's oh the meat God, the, the meat tenderizer guy then <laughs> how does she kill the guy in the basement which is a cool scene because she uses kind of like rear window she uses the flash of her camera i was wondering why she was carrying a straight up digital camera yeah um, but well, first of all, it's like 2010 when this movie was made. That's true. That's a good point. I guess at the at the time this was made, cell cell phones with cameras were not as ubiquitous as they are now. But um, yeah, I think I think the basement kill is the is the the brother who's left, and then the other guy just sort of wanders off. I think he just sort of disappears. Huh. Would not would not have realized that. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. But a lot of people die in this movie. That's true. Yeah, it's no shortage of <laughs> no shortage of uh, carnage in this one. If there are like sixteen people in this movie, fourteen people of them, fourteen of them die. Yes. Yeah. 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 Even the cop at the end who shows up, he's the one who gets the the axe in the face from the doorway thing, and which you know, yeah. fine. <laughs> I was going to ask you. I was actually going to ask you like how you felt about that about that ending and that sort of like because you know once she sets up that trap it's very like Chekhov's gun it's gonna go off somebody's gonna get hurt mm-hmm. how do you feel about the fact that they use it like that at the very end 
I I don't particularly like it. I don't either. Yeah, it feels fairly like they didn't know how. That's why I don't know why the, the Crispin doesn't get it. Because like that way, you know, Crispin gets the axe in the face. Your story's done. She's left standing, and you're kind of good to go. But the thing with the cop at the end just feels kind of like we don't know how to get out of this. Yeah, or even have it have it be used on the cop, but like have that happen before she confronts Crispin or something. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, don't like end it with yeah. It just, yeah, it feels like a little bit of a waste. Like they. She set up this whole elaborate thing, and it's like you're waiting for it to go off, and then for it to just kind of be like tossed off at the very end feels a little bit like why even set it up then? Yeah, it's like if Chekhov's gun, you get to the end of the play, and then someone's like, "By the way, this gun was not loaded. See you guys later." Yeah, <laughs> this gun is a squirt gun. Goodbye. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the only thing I, I was kind of surprised at, I guess not, because she's kind of in this phase of her career, I guess, but. Uh, uh, I was kind of hoping Barbara Crampton would be in a little more. I like her quite a bit. She um, she was in Reanimator. Mm. She is sort of a uh, uh, a very renowned scream queen from the original scream queen kind of era. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has she has shown up in a lot of these movies in very similar roles. Actually, uh, kind of the it, she she shows up kind of like. Uh, the way Dee Wallace shows up in House of the Devil at the beginning as the woman who's showing mm-hmm. her the apartment and stuff like that. That's kind of how she ends up showing up or maybe a little bit larger. So roles like this where she's got she's in it for a little bit and then she's unfortunately uh, removed or whatnot. But I, I do like her quite a bit. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit. It, it feels a little bit like a waste to have her just be like fragile family matriarch who gets killed like first or second. Yeah, or I, I kind of wish they killed the dad first. <laughs> Yeah, I, his character just felt so, so bland to me in a way that was really incongruous in this cast and family full Mm. of like, very uh, clear and specific personalities. He just was so like milquetoast. It was really kind of just like, why keep him around? At least, uh, at least the mom had like, something about her that made you be like what's her deal what's going on with her yeah and also if you do that twist i mean killing the killing your mom is 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 a lot well i mean depending on who you are but the, the, i think everybody <laughs> the, the kill, killing of <laughs> if, a mother if you're z killing your mom is a turn-on apparently yeah yeah oh, i forgot it we didn't even talk about that <laughs> Um, but you know, like kill, having the mom there and then the, have, she's kind of the one who wants everybody to come and she ends up getting killed by the son or whatever, however it plays out. That's really, that's, you know, sad. Uh, the dad's yeah. kind of a pushover. I wonder if like, how would you feel if there had been a moment where, because the mom gets killed in front of Felix, right? The dad or does. Is, the dad does. The yeah. dad does. Okay. Um, yeah. And they sort of like. There's there's this sort of moment where he says like oh why did you have to do that right in front of me really come on and it but it's like not really any <laughs> there's not a lot of sincere emotion in this mm, movie yeah um I wonder how it, how it would have been if there had been a moment where it was like maybe he did have a more actual emotional reaction to seeing like his mom dead in the bed or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I wonder if that would have 
maybe felt like too tonally off or if that would have worked. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But the uh, the last thing to talk about briefly is uh, the music, which honestly didn't really stand out to me until that one scene at the end when she starts home aloneing it and it just gets really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like the synthesizers all kick in and it gets really cool. It just, I hadn't thought about the music too much until that scene. Yeah, the only other time where the music is really um, apparent is is when they visit the neighbor's house and that CD is on. Oh, yeah, and, that one song yeah. that they got all of their license money wrung out of in their usage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were like, we paid a lot of money for this and we are going to use it as much as we possibly can. That seems to be another kind of like trend in this uh indie horror 2000s boom where it's like they get one licensed song that they just use to great effect whether it's uh the song in this one or uh one thing leads to another by the fix that's in uh house of the devil or the song they use in autopsy of jane doe it seems to be a go-to for modern horror movies where it's like let's pick a song that's like sort of tonally totally incongruous to what we're doing with the movie and then we're going to lean into it i blame uh that episode of the x-files with the uh home oh god isn't because isn't it isn't there like a like an andy williams song or something that they that they love to listen to and it's just juxtaposed with the family like incesting each other (laughs) yeah i don't i don't remember exactly what the song was but yeah you're right there's there's like a like a theme song throughout the the episode i think you know it's it's interesting because i think it can be done well Mm -hmm. but i also do think it has become a little bit of like a a kind of a trope throughout these kinds of movies to have your like one piece of music that you sort of loop back to every Mm. you know 20 to 30 minutes yeah yeah it's a good song though i didn't obviously not good enough for me to look it up but uh, it's out there. The soundtrack, I believe, I think Mondo put it out in vinyl not too long ago, and oh. I, the uh, the packaging is really cool. Like the inside has like like a layout of the house done as like a map or oh. like a oh cool sort of like a Pac Man type thing, if I remember correctly, where you see like the little <laughs> masks in different rooms and stuff. It's cool. Yeah. Um, this is number. This is number 168 on the list. How do you feel about that placement? Do you think it should be higher? Do you think it should be lower? Do you think it should be removed from the list entirely? I I honestly, I think it should be lower. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I, I, I will say one of my, <laughs> one of the things I like about it is that it kind of does go back to the, like, it's a real snappy 90 minutes. Yes. Yeah. It's like if they keep it nice and tight, there's not a ton of frills and like extra subplots or whatever. It's just like you're here, you're then you're here, and boom, now we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like other things that are between like 169 and, and 200 because I know we've hit on a couple mm. that I probably would have put higher than, I mean, uh, you know, closer to one on the list than this. If I. If I were to do a, a hard a hard flip with a movie that we've already watched that's lower, uh-huh. I would say I would switch this with Black Christmas in a heartbeat. Black Christmas oh, is one ninety nine. 
Oh, God. See, that's like, that's where I, I get upset with this list because yeah. <laughs> it's not that I don't think this movie should be on the list at all. Like, would it be on my personal 200 best horror movies? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be like shocked and outraged by somebody who said it was for them. Sure. Um, but yeah, God, putting Black Christmas that low and putting this like 30 spots up from it is just, yeah, that's kind of nonsensical to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do find the most interesting thing about this list is how, um, legacy and like zeitgeist doesn't really seem to play into it at all. It's all, you know, cause it's, it's, there's a lot yeah. of movies, like it's the shining thing where the shining is at a, at a point where it's like, even if you went by cultural importance it should be like in the top 10 you know <laughs> right right but yeah so i think i would definitely yeah. move it down i think it's i think it's good i think it's uh it's it's a fun movie i don't think it's really breaking any new ground but it does it does kind of it does kind of offer a take on the uh final girl slasher type thing that is that is different it's not super formulaic and I think yeah. they uh, they do it really well. Agree. So I think that's going to do it for your next. I hit the randomizer button. And next time, oh, if we want to talk about uh, meta meta slasher movies and and uh, tongue in cheek humor humor filled horror mm-hmm. movies, next time we will be doing Scream, which is number one seventy five. I. I think I would probably flip this with Scream as well. Oh, yeah. Easily. But, yeah. So, uh, that's going to do it for your next. Uh, thank you, Amanda, for joining me. Thank you, Clay. And we will see you next time for Scream. Bye, everyone. Bye.